This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me for my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 to 11.45 a.m. on KWWJ, 1360 a.m., 96.9 FM, or KYOK, 11.40 a.m. Call me, 832-570-8075. See you then. Mr. Producer, let that play just a little bit. And, of course, I'd like to play it in its entirety at the end. Houston, we'll hear more about this at the end of our episode. It's just one of those moving songs, and there are some moving clips of speeches, and of course the one that really gives me the chills is the one by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and we'll talk more about that at the end. But you're here with me, Gilbert Garcia, a tip from Gilbert, talk, inspiration, and prayer, and I have just an extraordinary man here with Mr. Larry Payne, who I've known Larry a long time. We've never had the ability to really you know, spend quality time and just you know, chew the fat, as they say. But Larry's one of those guys, wherever he walks around, people look at you, Larry, and they're like, I know I know him. He's on TV all the time somehow. He's always next to the mayor, like five different mayors or something like that all the time. And, and just people know that you're one of those people that somehow is in the middle of so many wonderful and important things. How does that make you feel, Larry? I, mean, I, I don't know. Has anybody described you that way? I mean, you're just one of those faces. Well, thank you, Gilbert. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and thank you for the invitation. No, I never thought about it that way, and I don't think anybody has ever couched it that way. Uh, but I have had the privilege of uh, working in Houston, and my whole philosophy of all of this work has been from a public servant standpoint, but particularly from a servant leader standpoint. And yes, I have been fortunate and blessed to work with or now for eight mayors. Eight? I, I, even I was wrong at five uh, mayors. So I eight go back, mayors. I'm, I'm aging myself. Yes. You were 17 when you started. Exactly. I exactly. Uh, with or for uh, mayors. And the, the beauty of that is, as you know, uh, as much time and work and commitment you have also for this community and love for this community, you have been able to watch the projection of things change over those years. Uh, from the mayor's administration, from the different mayors, through the different years of our lives of this city. This city has really changed and grown and developed. Uh, and hopefully the things and issues that people care deeply about that affect their lives has also changed, grown, and developed. Some have, some have not. Uh, we're taking, it seems now, across this country, we feel in the mood that we're taking steps backwards. Uh, as a colored Negro African-American black person, uh, I feel I'm reliving 1968 all over again. Uh, it's the times that we're living in. Uh, so I think we are very paused to look at where we've been historically, where we are now, and where we need to go. And to do that, we have to have a real clear perspective as Houstonians with the change of demographics, the changing realities of social, economic, political realities. What type of city do we want to be and become going forward? Well, let's talk about that in a second. I know we have already a caller here. That's all everyone wants to, to talk to you, Larry. But before we take that caller, let me just say that one thing I want to go to is this concept of it feels like we're back in the 60s because uh, you know, I was a boy in the 60s. I remember just a little bit. Um, but you know what? I just feel what is going on in this country? You know, when you think about we're start, starting to sort of relitigate or re-vote uh, on again, whether it's women's rights, whether it's uh, minority rights, whether it's voting rights and all this violence and that was the theme for this show what the world needs now is love because we need love more than ever larry but i, I want to come to that hold that thought i know i could see you got much to say on that uh, we have a caller miss edna griggs miss edna are you there 
Yes, I'm here. How are you? Miss Edna, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. And you're one of those people that, remember Edna, that movie Ghostbusters? Yes. When people, that song where it says, who are you going to call? And they go, Ghostbusters. <laughs> remember that? Well, when people yes. need something, they don't call Ghostbusters. They call you, Edna. So, Edna, talk to us. What do you got for me or for Larry today? Well, you know what? And I didn't really get to hear what the topic was. I kind of caught the last part of what Larry's talking about. So who is your who is your host on today? I, did, I just kind of called in. Sure. Larry Payne has been really an advisor to several mayors. And he's one of those guys that has done public service his whole life. I'll have you have have him mention to you. And we're going to talk about an initiative that he started. It's his dream child called Houston 2036, which is sort of a how can we be thoughtful to say what's the future of city going to look like given all these demographic moves and all these things happening that are really unstoppable just because of the magnitude of the move. So uh, please meet Mr. Larry Payne. Larry, meet Miss Edna hello, Griggs. Hello, Miss Edna. Glad well, to be Mr. Larry Payne, you know me. I've met you before. My son is Milton Jones. I, I know you. Of course I know you. How are you? How are That's you? What... How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. Great, great, great. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, um, I, I think that what, what my thoughts is I've been talking to my grandkids and just talking to a lot of young people because, you know, being born and raised out here in Acres Homes, you know, we always had a bad rep as what how our community was and, you know, things happening. And a lot of it doesn't have to do with that because the thing is, is that I find a lot of people say that uh, things is happening in our community, but nobody comes in the community to really find out what's going on. You know, they feel like they've been forgotten and I, and, and still still live out here. I never did move. I'm still born and raised and, and still live in the same house that, that raised all my kids in right down the street from where I was actually raised in Acres Home. So I haven't left the community. I'm still here. But the, this, the problems that I see a lot that's happening in there is that uh, you know, our kids just I mean, they, they just need, they need guidance. They need people to come in and talk to them and listen to them. I think that's one of the things that we, we don't do. We don't listen to our young people and a lot of the things that they're going through, a lot of these things, I was just talking to my grandson, and a lot of this that, that kids, our kids are dealing with has stemmed from childhood. Things that they went through and that a lot of these kids are mad at their parents for not doing what they think is the right thing that they should have did for them. And so they're dealing with all this anger and, and a lot of the things, you know, we say mental health, we want to put it on mental health, but guess what? We all got some mental health that we need that we need to deal with. All of us, you know, and mostly mostly being a black woman, a black man, we got mental health. Period. You know, for what we have to deal with in the society today. So everybody have that, but our children are hurting, and and I don't feel that we're talking, we're not not bringing them to the table, and having these conversations, not just with kids that are doing good, but going into the projects. And that's what I do. I go into the projects and I talk to them, you know, to find that I'm not scared of them because I was born and raised out here to find out what is the issue, what are they feeling. Well, Edna, you know, it's everything you said is so true. And I think uh, COVID and the pandemic has made it even worse. The stress and anxiety that we're all are living with uh, and, and constantly uh, dealing with has really exacerbated all the issues that you just raised. But, yes. you know, the genesis of those issues are still the same that they've been, and that's the challenge. It's still based in institutional racism, the inequities and inequalities. All yes. those things that you mentioned are still a, a subject matter of poverty and the social, economic, political realities that we've not been willing to address, that we've not been willing to put the, f the proper financing and fo proper funds in to address. Correct. And I think what we're seeing now with the, with the mass shootings, be the one in Buffalo, be the tragedy of the young children killed in Uvalde, is that we talk about love and compassion, we talk about more empathy, but that's not gonna get us there. Even a, a strong component like I am and Gilbert are, and I'm sure you are of prayer, prayer alone is not gonna get us there. We have to take action. It, is time, it is time now to decide what those action steps look like. 
How are we going to mount the people we need to take the aggressive action, to do the things that we know that in our hearts needs to be done to change the situation going forward, and to get people really on target about what can and should be done because we can't allow whether it's the social, economic, political stuff of poverty to continue or the issue of mass shootings to continue. We as a people, as a nation with humanity, as Texans and as Houstonians can do better. We know we can. We just got to be willing to rise to that occasion to make it happen. Amen. Well, I'm going to actually send you my number because I'd definitely love to talk with you, Larry. I know you and my son were real connected at at one time. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. I think that we need to. I was listening to Fred Gray the other day. He was on um, uh, on TV on uh, Isaac. So I don't know if it was Isaac Carey. It was some show. He was mm-hmm. on MSNBC or one of them. And he was saying, you know, six or seven years that he's been fighting back with Martin Luther King and things. And now he he see things is getting worse. He said, but the one thing that 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 John Lewis told him before he passed, he told him, he said, Fred, you got to keep fighting. Yep. Yep. It's time for us all to get into good trouble, as John Lewis said. Uh, Dr. Dr. King's vision of the beloved community is still a a possibility, can become a reality, but it's going to take all of us working together. And I think in Houston, with the the, the demographic shifts and changes, we need to come together like we've never come together before. we got to quit telling people we love each other, we care about you. In fact, use words only if necessary. I don't need anybody to tell me. I want to see actions and behaviors. The judge in the litmus paper test is action and behaviors, not words. Amen. I like that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you, dear. I that. Yeah, and I'll leave. I'll send the number. So you please take my number. I will Call do. Me. I'll follow. Please with do. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Edna. Thank you for calling. You're a real gem and a, a treasure of Houston. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. I know we have a Monica on the line. Is there a Monica on the line? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Monica. Well, you got me a tip from Gilbert. Talk inspiration and prayer. What you got for us? Hi, Gilbert. I was, uh, I'm sure you know Miss Edna Griggs here in Acres Homes, and she suggested that I call in this morning and talk to you a little bit about some of the stuff um, that we're doing here in the um, Acres Home community. Tell us, uh, Monica, tell us. Sure. Um, My husband, Don Pryor, uh, Dr. Donald Pryor, is a teacher at Carver High School, and I think he was on and spoke with you a few weeks ago about our um, robotics program. Yes. Um, We had... Uh, two teams, in fact, qualify to compete at World Championships in robotics this year. So in April, it was our first robotics competition, FRC team, that was competing in the first uh, World Robotics Championship down at the George R. Brown um, Convention Center here in Houston. Um, and they were the rookie team this year, um, made up of students from uh, several schools and Aldine ISD, and they won uh, a world championship award for being the most uh, inspirational rookie team. So that was very exciting. Come on, let me that ask you this. Are these, mi- are these minority okay. youth? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It, 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 it just warms my heart. It doesn't, Larry, to see minority youth, when people sort of you know tend to write us off, oh, they're just you know kids of color, what do they know? And here we are at the peak of incredible things Creating robots. Yeah. Is that amazing? And, and winning these national, international awards. Monica, tell me real quick, for our listeners and even for me, I think I know we had robotics in my uh, kid's school at one time. Explain what a robotics does and means. Sure. Well, um, there are a couple of different competitions that our students do throughout the year. The first one that I mentioned that won the world championship here in Houston is part of an organization called for inspiration and recognition in science and technology or first FIRST. Um, that's an organization that's a little over 20, 25 years old. That was founded by Dean Kamen, a really famous entrepreneur and inventor that really wanted to go out and encourage, you know, we may not be the, the touchdown scoring football players or the, the great three-point basketball shooters, but understanding that there is a place where we need the next STEM superstars of tomorrow, not just the athletes. So it really feels like going to the Super Bowl um, at one of these robotics competitions. You know, there's lots of lights and high energy and music, and it's very exciting. And really to get kids inspired and recognized for their achievements in science and technology. So this year's game um, was sponsored by Boeing, and um, I believe it was called Cargo Connect. 
um, or they have uh, different themes throughout the years, but ours, we had to uh, pick up balls autonomously. So basically sit the robot down on the field and have it programmed well enough with enough sensors and hardware and manipulators to be able to position, know where it's at on the field, pick up balls, um, uh, arrange itself so it's aimed and ready to shoot and shoot automatically to score points. Then we move into what's a teleop um, uh, time period where the students are actually hands-on with controllers behind a barrier and competing with their robots to score points or play defense or accomplish other tasks on the field, which culminates in the last 30 seconds of the match, which is called the robot end game, where there is usually a physical um, obstacle that the robots have to surmount. And this one, they had to pull themselves up, basically do a pull up on some crossbars and then um, swing out and reach an even taller crossbar to get the maximum number of points at the end of the match. So this is very we're looking we're talking about robots that um are four to eight feet tall oh my we're goodness those are robots 100 to <laughs> 150 pound um range wow and you know cost a few thousand dollars so um to support a team so we did a lot of going out and trying to make Great partnerships work. in the community yeah. uh seeking grants etc so well, well monica let me say let me exciting. say this congratulations to the parents who support their kids because you know it could be easy for a parent to say oh stop that silly robot stuff right and our studio audience is agreeing for the parents to say and and i'm going to get you up early so you can go to robotics you know class or workshop before school or stay after school and and work with your team and i think that's fantastic and and we also want to say thank you to the whoever is the teacher that's the i don't want to say the coach but i guess the coach or the teacher sponsor because that's an awesome thing congratulations yes indeed monica you want to give us one more word there before I uh, sure, take another caller? Uh, absolutely. We are holding a robotics camp where we'll be building underwater robots this summer Holy cow. at Carver High School. And we would absolutely love to get more folks from the community involved and, um, and participating. So this will be um, for one week in July. And Gilbert, I'd be super happy to send you the information so you can maybe share it with your listeners and we can get more kids from this really overlooked but highly capable community involved in, in in these great opportunities for their kids to learn and grow please do and i want to make robotics cool yeah. so the kids will say you know what i want to be going to robotics i want to help make it cool how's that monica um because oh, you know it's it. got to be cool for kids to sort of take a stab and i like the idea of underwater well monica send it to me and again i'm going to give you my cell phone and i sh share it with the city anyway back when i was metro chairman 713-443-4330 and then you can send me anything to a course at my email and it's a um let me read it to you the one that uh, a tip from gilbert at gmail.com but, but you can always call back here and i can give it to you again thank you monica we're going to keep going but I, I, I larry we have another caller already is there pastor cummings on there hey how's it going is this pastor cummings this is richard richard molina how are you my yes, friend sir. well you good, you were almost you? pastor cummings how you doing richard <laughs> richard do you know mr larry payne I do not. I do not. Larry is Larry is really. I mean, he should just have the title. I'm going to anoint you, Mr. Houston. Yeah. Can I can I anoint you that, Mr. Houston? Whatever you want. Yeah, but good morning, Richard. Good to be with you. <laughs> good, good morning, sir. Good morning. And you know, Larry Richard is the nephew of um, Joe Campos Torres. And that that's why I knew the name. Yes. Yeah, so you now, know him. Uh, yes. Yes. And he's been an extraordinary activist. And the thing that strikes me about him is, he and his mother. You know, you would think they'd have all this anger and meanness and madness and all this. They have nothing but love and forgiveness. It's amazing. Uh, and he's been an activist for good. He's used it all for good to help sensitize police cadets on how to have a better relationship between law enforcement and the community. Richard, what do you got for us today? Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to call in and just say hi. First of all, I hadn't. Uh, uh, it was good to see you out. Uh, Friday over at the um, the events over in downtown, uh, raising some very important awareness. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see you still uh, did the show today on Memorial Day um, of, all, of 
of many days, you know, many Mondays. Uh, I uh, actually was over at the Houston National Cemetery uh, this morning and uh, paying my, my respects to my uncle and also to my younger brother, who's also buried there. Um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, enjoying the day there, and it's a nice, sunny, hot Houston day, as usual. Well, thank you, Rich, for calling in. Before you go, so, Larry, what he's referring to is we had a press conference, LULAC did, right across from the George R. Brown during the NRA convention yeah. on Friday, Friday. Yeah. and that's what he's referring to. Yeah. And what's very interesting is you know, my family grew up as hunters. So my dad was a hunter and his father, which is my grandfather, was a hunter. And so we had, you know, rifles and things. I don't recall if I was ever a member of the NRA. I don't think so. But I do remember one thing. Um, and we were scouts and there used to be a magazine called Boys Life. And, this, and you know, the NRA used to be about hunting and sportsmanship. And gun safety. Gun safety. And I don't know when it became this sort of political tool. And, and, I, and I don't believe any of those people have ever really read the Second Amendment because it doesn't say you have the right to just own guns. It does not say that. Uh, at the end of the day, one of the things in my family, Richard, was my grandfather made us all go to gun safety school and shooting school. And the one thing you learn about guns is never keep a gun loaded. And the other thing is keep it locked up under lock and key and away from children. And you respect it rather than it's a toy and it's a power thing. And I can't even imagine these automatic weapons because that's not hunting. No. Uh, that is not hunting. That's just, you know, number one, it's a weapon of war or it's just something that you just want to just destroy something. Um, Larry, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you know, talk to me. This, this whole idea of the Second Amendment, wrapping yourselves around the Second, second Amendment, you got to remember that the, this whole thing about the Second Amendment grew out of a compromise with the Confederate States to come into the Union. That the Confederate States, as part of their coming into the Union, were allowed to have the phrase to keep and bear arms. The keep and bear arms war were at the time so that they would be armed against what they saw a coming uprising of slaves and ex-slaves. That's the whole, the whole thing. So it, the, the idea of the Second Amendment is to protect. Second Amendment has always had a negative connotation toward other human beings. First, African Americans, now Hispanic Americans. And so I think the question that we have to look at is when you talk about the Second Amendment and you're an attorney, the First Amendment rights and the Second Amendment rights keep bumping up against each other mm -hmm. only because people want them to. So the question we have to ask ourselves going forward to wrap yourself in the flag in the Second Amendment is not the way to go. Because if you say you're here to protect all citizens, don't, do children not have rights? Mm -hmm. I know we don't have lobbyists. That's why education sucks. We don't have paid right, lobbyists. Right. That's why we can't get anything done for kids because we don't have paid lobbyists. The NRA got paid lobbyists. Everybody's got paid lobbyists. Children don't have paid lobbyists. So who are going to be the voice for the children standing up going forward to protect their lives? If we as a nation and a country can't figure out a way to protect our children and keep our children safe, what does that say about us? It's awful. It, it, I mean, it's just it's awful. And I tell you, the only thing is it's a balance because – you know, I still have one in school. The others are one's going to LSU, and then the others are sort of grown. And I just think about when they were little. I sure would hope we don't have to get to the point where our schools become like a fortress with barbed wire around, and and you know, and everything's chained up, and there's cops everywhere. I mean, golly, what is happening in this country? And carrying more gun, guns or having the ability to carry a gun, everybody armed, everybody carrying, that's not the solution. Teachers tell you they don't want to carry guns. The majority, they don't want to be armed. They don't want to be in a classroom where they have to have right. a, a gun on their hip and try to teach the, ch the children at the same time. That's not education. Can you imagine people saying, let's just arm teachers? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's like, well, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that. Exactly. I just want to help kids. We have to figure out a way. You know, Memorial Day is that we're having this discussion, Memorial Day, should become more than just the wonderful remembrance of those who fought for us in the wars and who died. Yes, by all means. But now you have a whole other category of people. You have the police officers who are killed. Mm -hmm. We should be talking about them on Memorial Day. We have now the children and the victims of uh, Buffalo and all the other cities. They should be remembered on Memorial Day. If we cannot figure out a way going forward to end this senseless slaughter 
of children and innocent human beings, then our humanity as a country, as a nation, is questionable and called into some kind of accountability because that's what the words are. We have to become accountable, we have to become transparent, and we have to develop trust again. There is no trust anymore in our institutions being able to do anything. I like that word about, you know, where's our humanity? Yeah. Where's the humanity? Richard, what do you got for us? Oh, did we lose Richard? Richard Molina, I thank you for having called in. I do think we have Pastor Cummings on the line, though. Is Pastor Cummings on the line? I'm here. I'm here. Can oh, you hear me? Pastor, we can hear you just fine. How are you? I'm doing well, just uh, in, and enjoying enjoying this show so much in this conversation. Good what, morning, Reverend. Uh, Good morning. Well, Pastor, Good morning. How are Pastor, you? Pastor, you know Mr. Larry Payne, right? I can't help but know Mr. Payne. Excellent. We have met. Yes, <laughs> we, yes, we have met. Yeah. Pastor, I, I'm, I'm, at, yeah, at the end of your comment here, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer for Houston because, boy, do we need prayer. But, you know, we need we action. Do. But we, do. we just got to, I don't know, as a just a person, I'm just a person. You know, I'm a mere mortal. Um, sometimes, and I'm going to confess to you, I feel like I'm confessing in front of all of Houston. Sometimes my faith is questioned. I'm like, it's like certainly in this incredible thing that God has brought to us, how could we be having this madness? And sometimes I question my faith. I don't know. It's like uh, maybe I'm just too weak, but this can't be part of God's plan. It just cannot. Larry, you, you, you get what I'm trying to it say? It can't be. It cannot be. It can't be. He, all the wonderful beauties and, you know, people always say God is good every day. He, he put air in my lungs. That's true. But think of those poor kids. They're just going to school. And these teachers, they just want to help the kids. They don't want to have to worry about, uh-oh, 911 and here we are, you know, and I see in the window and what's going on and every kids all get down and it's like, oh my goodness, it's like World War II and going through bomb drills or something. This is on us. This is on us as human beings, as citizens, as, as constituents, congregants, whatever you want to call us. We are in this us and them world and mentality. Because we're in this us and them mentality, we really don't care about other human beings who do not, do not look like us. I'm tired of the platitudes. I'm tired of the words. I've said this before. I'm tired of people telling you care and that you love. Use words only as necessary. It's time for action and behaviors. Don't, you don't have to give the speeches anymore. You don't have to talk about your empathy and your caring and your compassion and we're sorry and how terrible this is. That's not going to move the needle. What we need is decisive action to realize that we can take care of this problem. We can pass meaningful legislation. We can pass meaning, meaningful rules, laws, and, and, and legislation. But we also can get to the point that you're getting to. Every congregation, church, parish, temple, synagogue, mosque, Friday, Saturday, Sunday worship, should be having this kind of conversation. What is the moral, ethical implications of not doing and mm -hmm. taking care of our children? We are on the hook as people who call ourselves believers, whatever that belief is, all right? Every tenant, every theological tenant of every denomination has a strand in it that says very clearly, we are to take care of the least, the lost, the less of our society. From our, from our children to our elderly, we got to do a better job. In healthcare, we got to do a better job. Access to health, you name the issue. We're falling down, we're failing on not living up to the principles, the values that we uphold, quote unquote, as a, as a, as a religious country. Well, uh, Pastor, before I turn to you, just as a sidebar, I can't help it because it's on my mind. I visited with some janitors on uh, Friday um, as these are SEIU union uh, workers. And you know, these are some of the most wonderful people. And some of them clean my building. And when I look at them, I see my own relatives. You know, their English is not very good. They've been working hard. All they want to do is work hard and have a better life for their kids. That's their whole thing. And are you ready for this, Larry? There was one woman who I met who's been a custodian for 30 years. She started at $2 an hour. You know where she is now? $10 an hour. In 30 yeah. years. Yep. Yep. And you look at these incredible buildings and the incredible wealth. And SEIU calculated that if you were to their, – their demand is to go to 15 Right. By the way, $10 is below the poverty line. Even 15 is very close below the poverty line. And their demand is to go to $15. they are bargaining right now. The deadline is tomorrow at midnight or essentially – uh, Wednesday at midnight, and um, that morning, that is. And 
they're trying to go to 15 and at the end of the day they calculate that um, it would cost tenants somewhere between one to two pennies a square foot per month and I said to myself, and I wrote a letter to the editor to Chronicle. Hopefully, they'll print it. And I said, you know what? As a tenant, I would be more than willing to pay that, knowing that the people who take care of my property here and my employees' property in my office, that you know they're taken care of, they have a livable wage, and that they're you know contributing to the economic vibrancy of the of the city. And you know what? Going back to your work, it's just the right moral thing to yeah. do. My goodness. And why is in why in twenty twenty two is fifteen dollars an hour even a question? It, right. That's it, Still a bare minimum. The, that is still a bare minimum. That's, and then here's this poor lady working 30 years. Yeah, what are we arguing about? I mean, why are we having this that's, discussion? That's exactly right. Well, Pastor, bring it all back to us and help it make some sense for us real quick and for Houston. And then please say a prayer, not in the platitudes of, oh, uh, thoughts and prayers, but really, you know, somehow I think a lot of young people and, and you know i guess you can't blame them for what they see every day in the media or just straying from their faith because they all they see is this violence and meanness and and everyone's cyber bullying and all these kinds of things so help us make some sense of it pastor yeah and i the first thing uh, again i, I want to thank mr larry for just being uh, an amazing source of uh, knowledge uh, and just listening to uh, all that he's bringing to this to, to your show this morning is just amazing. So I thank you for being a guest. And, I, I, of course, we thank you for the platform uh, to have such an amazing guest on the show. Uh, but you question your faith. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, when we see devastating things happen that took place in Uvalde, that took place in uh, in Buffalo, New York, we know that it's not in God's plan. We, we know that that's that's not a part of God's plan. But what I want to encourage each and every believer is to not lose hope. Don't lose your hope. You know, the, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so when we have hope, we just continue to believe that things are going to change despite how bad they look. And so when we give up hope, we basically are losing or choosing not to have faith. So although things look bad, let us not uh, give up hope. Let us continue to fight for the change that we know needs to take place in this country. And if we continue to have hope, then things are going to change. Number two, uh, and, and again, Mr. Larry, you are so right. Our children don't have an advocate. The, and, and it's really unfortunate. Our most valuable resources, our teachers and our children are the individuals we value the least. And I'm not just talking just to be talking. I'm talking about I'm talking as a father who have three children under 11. And I'm talking about and I'm talking from the perspective of an individual who spent uh, who dedicated 10, 11 years of his life as an educator in Houston Independent School District. And so when I tell you that. Uh, those resources, our children and our teacher are, are not extremely value. I'm talking to you, you know, as someone who has experience. And it's unfortunate that um, the only way that's going to change is when big business finds a way to uh, to make money off of children and and teachers, because we know that uh, money is a big factor in driving uh, the NRA. And the, the the sale of gun, uh, the, the the sale of firearms, uh, the mentality of uh, of our governor, we all know that it is motivated by money, which the Bible again says is the root of all evil. Uh, but again, enjoying the show, uh, thankful for the platform again, Mr. Gibbard, that you are providing, and Mr. Larry for your knowledge. Let us pray, Father in heaven. We come, God, again, saying thank you, God, despite all of the bad things, despite the negative. Uh, God, we're still so thankful uh, to you for your grace and your mercy. Um, God, again, it is our prayer that you would place upon the hearts and the minds and the spirits of those who who have the ability to influence change uh, to do so. Uh, again, God, we, we are calling on you because 
we are so limited in, in, in power. We are so limited in strength. We are so limited in so many areas, God, but, but uh, you have no limits. There's absolutely nothing that you cannot accomplish. There's absolutely nothing that you cannot do. And so it is times like these in which we call on you uh, to be God. We know that at, at times things are so negative uh, in this world. Uh, evil is so rampant in this world that it is uh, uh, it challenges our faith at times. But God, let us continue to know that you are on the throne. You are still sitting high and looking down on your people. And so, again, God, we just ask that you would uh, touch the hearts, touch our hearts. Let us to be better people. Let us to be a better country. And in the end, we will give you the praise. So we say thank you in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, we will have you again. Thank you for calling in. Yes, I know sir. we have several callers, but I've got to get to something. Sounds one, good. Thank you all. Thank you, Pastor. One is we have a pretty good scorecard here, KWWJ and KYOK. Uh, we had so many candidates that would call in and those that called in regularly and those that were on my show, our show, this is the people's show, they all won. Uh, Andrea Bell, Leslie Briones, Monica Singh, Jolanda Jones, they all won all right. their runoffs. Yeah, so well, that just shows you the power of the people because when everybody listens and everybody votes and everybody registered, you know, my mom always said, Larry, that if you don't vote, don't complain. Right. So it was wonderful. Let's go to what I really wanted to talk about. Houston 2036. That brainchild of yours, tell us about it, and what are you trying to do? Just briefly, 2036 is for us to look forwardly thinking as Houstonians, to have a long-term vision. We're great at short-term visions. We're great at five- or ten-year vision. 2036 is another 13, 14 years away. What do we want Houston to be like, act like, talk like? What do we want Houston to stand for? What do we want Houston to represent? How do we want Houston to be, as Dr. Kleinberg keeps saying, the model city for the rest of America? We are the testing ground of how to get it right with the mix of diversity, with the mixing of the demographics we have. We're the perfect city to have the right movement going forward around all the issues that impact human beings, that impact for us as humanity. But it's not going to happen if we don't work at it. We know that the issues are impacting us, our education, health care, the environment, those three we're looking at right now, but there are a lot of other issues. They're all related to the issue, though, of the social, economic, political, spiritual, and legal issues to accomplish and achieve all those goals. One of the things I think we're going to have to get very intentional about, with, with clear intentionality and mindfulness, is how to connect the dots for people of why things are not happening in a city. With this much philanthropy, with this much wealth, with this much opportunity, why is there still a gap in our education funding? Why is that gap as large as, according to the Kennedy Institute, as $12,000 per student? Mm. The same schools that are on the failing list, the same five or six schools every year at the bottom, the same high schools after about 10 years, the same schools. It is all economics. It is all money. We always say, and we've all been taught this, just follow the money. And if you follow the money, you can very easily see what's happening and not happening and why. So we as Houstonians are going to have to figure out what we really are willing to invest in, how can we raise the money because the money is here to make it happen. And I think we need to talk about even an equity fund for public education. Philanthropy, corporations, nonprofits, they're doing their part. Let's engage the citizens, as you said. Let's open this fund up to the citizens. With this much population of the city of caring human beings, you get enough $100, $1,000 contributions, you got real money, all right? Mm -hmm. We can raise the money, but we need to engage the citizens in this. They need to let the citizens be involved in the solutions and stop being frustrated that nothing can't be done because something can be done. Well, tell me about the task force. The task Share force, that with you, The task force is 36 individuals, 2036, and 2036 is our 200 anniversary, 200th anniversary of the city of Houston in 2036. So. We put together and massed 36 individuals of a cross-section of every, everything you can think about, race, denomination, uh, personality, background, expertise, skill sets, vocations, all that. And we're looking at three areas, education, environmental uh, health, environmental justice, and health care. The idea is to come up with a set of recommendations that talk about the future. This is only the start, this is the beginning. They're going to be refined and developed and go forward. This will continue for the next 13 years until 2036. We'll add people, we'll add people uh, who want to be part of the process, we'll add sponsors. And, and Gilbert, thank you for you being one of the founding sponsors of this. Uh, 
We will add those people who want to be part of the task force and to be the sponsors and underwriters going forward. Here's the simple formula. Let's think about it this way. Mayor Turner is the 62nd mayor of the city of Houston. The 64th mayor into the second year of her first term, the, the Hispanic Latino mayor, <laughs> woman, will be the woman standing in Discovery Green across the street from where we're broadcasting now on August 30th, 2036, giving the speech about Houston in 2036. What's her speech? What is she going to say? We need to start writing that speech now. Mm -hmm. There are certain issues we can't be talking about or should not be talking about in 2036. We've resolved those. We've solved those, right? What are we doing going forward? You know, in public life and civic life, our time span and vision is very short. We only think sometime beyond the next election cycle, all right? Who's going to be the next mayor? Right. I want to, we need to go beyond that. Corporations and others plan far ahead, right? Most corporations can tell you who the next two or three CEOs are going to be, right? Mm -hmm. They already got succession planning. They're already grooming that person. We need to think about what we want to do around these issues from a long-term perspective. Start laying the predicate and foundation and groundwork now, investing with those people and developing relationships if we don't have them with those that we need to accomplish things. From the business community to the corporate communities to the nonprofit to the philanthropy community, everybody has a role to play. The citizens have a role to play. The person sitting in the pews on Friday, Saturday, Sunday have a role to play. We need to engage this community to have that vision of what do we want to be and become toward the goal of the beloved community in 2036. Well, let me ask you this. First of all, it's a brilliant idea. It's a brilliant thing. And I credit you, right? Um, what inspired you? I mean, did you just wake up one day and said, you know, we got to start thinking ahead here. I mean, what inspired you? Or have you always just been one of those that's like, just got this thought about, God, you know, we got to do better. We got to do better. From being around uh, the political process and the civic process, civic engagement and, and political engagement, uh, as I mentioned, working in, in one way or form or another with the mayors over the last uh, 50 years now. Were your parents teachers? Tell me about your parents. My parents were just plain, simple, hard-working, dedication people. Uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. My father worked for Livingston Shipbuilding Company all his life. Uh, and they were just salt of the earth, but they were very engaged politically. They, not only did they vote, they were precinct judges. They did, oh, wonderful. They did a lot of stuff. Uh, my father was a union guy. Mm -hmm. uh, so what that inspired me to be is to be a clear understanding of what servant leadership is. Servant leadership is something we're all called to be and become. Servant leadership is a simple formula. We're put on the face of the earth for one reason and one reason only, to serve our fellow human being. To do that, I have to do five things every day so I can be ready available to serve everybody. Stay healthy, proper nutrition, proper exercise, attention to my mental health, spirituality, and laughter. I get to be selfish in only that regard to take care of myself so I can be selfless in my work and service to other human beings. Say those five things again because they were beautiful. Proper, proper nutrition. Nutrition. All right. God, boy, do we need that, proper, young people. Proper physical activity. Oh, my God, I need physical activity yeah, these days. Attention to our mental health. The mental health. That's, you know, you take that that's for granted. You key. take it for granted. That's key. Spirituality. Amen. And laughter. Laughter. That's a beautiful thing. You have to, and those things incorporated into our life every day as a balance, a well-balanced life, work-balanced life, gives us the strength and energy to be able to think about others and to focus on others. Why we're not other-centric and why we don't spend enough time focusing and thinking about, we're usually so tired, so stressed out, dealing with our own anxiety, dealing with our own problems, we don't have time to think about the other. So getting to be other-centric and to think beyond your own reality and your own world, your own family, your own... To get to the community side of particularly if you're talking about those who are different from me, to be involved in their lives. What I'd like to do there is, when you get to and go ahead and turn up the music a little bit. You know, there's an old uh, show called Carol Burnett, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And at the end, it was there's that song. Oh, I'm so glad we had this time. time. Can you believe this? Our time is so up. It goes quickly. But we'll have a few minutes on Facebook and everything else. I would like to um, just say, well, let's listen to these statements. These are just unbelievable. Something is terribly wrong. I'm in behind the motorcade, trying to follow them. It looks as though they're going to Parkland Hospital. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. Dallas, Texas. The Flash, apparently official. President John F. Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. These little clips give me chills, and this one in particular. But it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live. No one can be certain who next will suffer from some senseless act of bloodshed. We're still talking about it, Larry. Yeah, that's what We're still say. talking no, about nothing, it. Uh, that was like 1968. Nothing has or, changed. Yeah. Six, In so many ways, nothing has changed. Uh, How many senseless shootings have we had now over the last 10 years? It, it, you can't even count it anymore. Here's another one. My thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? Oh my God! Senator Kennedy has been shot. Rapper Johnson has a hold of the man who apparently has fired the shot. Get the gun! Get the gun! Get the gun! Stay away from the gun! Get the gun! His hand is frozen. Take a hold of his thumb and break it if you have to. Get his thumb. All right. Just pandemonium. We don't want another Oswald. Like it or not, we live in times of danger and uncertainty. That is the way he lived. That is what he leaves us. My brother need not be idealized or enlarged in death beyond what he was in life. Be remembered simply as a good and decent man who saw wrong and tried to right it saw suffering and tried to heal it, saw war and tried to stop it. Those of us who loved him and who take him to his rest today pray that what he was to us, what he wished for others, will someday come to pass for all the world. As he said many times in many parts of this nation, those he touched and who sought to touch him. Some men see things as they are and say why. I dream things that never were and say why not. What a beautiful version of this we're, song. We're still the most, the most violent nation in the country. Do you know that I was doing a little research for this press conference. First of all, you can't even really get a lot of data. It's like they don't want the data out there. That's what really struck me. Second of all, Texas has more people killed by guns than any state in the union. And there were two things that I saw that were undeniable. First, where there are more guns, there are more gun violence and gun deaths. That's an undisputable, indisputable fact. The second is where you have the ability to have these magazines with multiple bullets and where there are a proliferation of these, there's more violence and more death. Those things are undeniable. So it seems to me, well, golly, address those things and you'll probably make a dent. But no one needs an AR-15. What, what in the world? What? what? Long guns, rifles for hunting, yes, we've all yeah. grew up with them. Who needs and why would even sell anyone an yeah. AR-15? It should be like a military issued only. It makes no sense, Larry. We have another caller who's been so patient. We're off the radio now, uh, and now we're just going to close out on Facebook. Is there a uh, Muhammad on the phone? Yeah, can you hear me? Muhammad, first, I want to tell you, you have been so patient these last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. I apologize Please call again. I'm going to make sure you're first because you've been so patient. We just had so many callers today. Uh, it's been a wonderful show. Hello, Muhammad. Muhammad, talk to us. What do you got for me and for Mr. Larry Payne? 
Hello. First, let me say that that uh, it, it said that patience is a virtue, so I always strive to be patient. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> thank you for allowing me on your on your show. Uh, Ed, I'm going to thank Edna Griggs. Uh, gave me the number and suggested that I call in. I'm the chairman of the board and the CEO of the community-based uh, nonprofit organization, the Acres Home Chamber for Business and Economic Development, and we're located right here in the heart of, Acre, of the Acres Home community. I know it well. And I just want, I just wanted to say we we are we are planning and we will have a uh, a Juneteenth celebration on June the 18th at the Acres Home Chamber. Uh, Facility. We've got a large area of land there, and we're going to have a cultural arts festival. And we want to invite the community out. We're going to. It's going to be a wonderful day. It will take place after the Juneteenth parade. There's a big parade that uh, the city of Houston hosts in Acres Home to celebrate Juneteenth. And immediately after the parade, we're inviting people to come on over to the Acres Home Chamber and enjoy the rest of the day. We're going to have food trucks. We have a big, uh, beautiful stage. We're going to have live entertainment. There'll be vendors, uh, activities for children. Uh, we're planning to have a a bingo uh, inside for the for the seniors. So it's going to be a wonderful day, and we want to invite the community out to come out and celebrate with us. Well, Muhammad, this is too important. Can you please call in again? Because I want to make sure this gets out to all of Houston in the radio. Um, and please accept my apology. This is too important to, to to not really give it its proper due because I think Juneteenth is important. I think that the concept of the celebration of the whole parade is important. In my own firm, we have a float, or, well, a car, and we're going to be there at the parade. And I think having a celebration afterwards is a fun, fun thing. So would you mind calling yeah. in again? Because I, I want to promote this really between now and okay. then on the radio every week. Because I think it's important okay. that we celebrate as a community and that people come to Acres Home and see the neighborhood for what it is, which is beautiful. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful neighborhood. Uh, it's, it's undergoing tremendous growth and diversity right now. Yes, it is. We want to... Uh, include everybody in the celebration of, of the legacy of Acres Home as well. I'm I'm a native. I was born and raised and still live in Acres Homes. So uh, it, it has gained some bad reputation, but it's a wonderful place to live. And uh, we want to invite the community out. I'd be happy and honored to, to call back. Just let me know uh, when I should and I will. And call every call call every Monday for the next two three Mondays right at about eleven ten. Okay, and I'm okay, going to put you do. in as soon as I see you. Wonderful, wonderful. And we have we have uh, like I said we have vendorship opportunities. We have sponsorship packages. Um, so we, we're trying to uh, enable our chamber to be able to do more and more productive things in the community. The chamber sponsors seminars and workshops on business development and community development. <clears throat> and uh, we, we are a service to the community. So we really want to uh, let you guys know all about it and invite you out. Well, Mr. Muhammad, please let um, Edna know. Get my number. My number is 713-443-4330. Send me something Hold on that. 713. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get a pen. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to do is okay, uh, ready. ready, you ready? 713-443. Did you get that? 443? Yeah. 4330. A lot of okay. fours, a lot of threes in that number. That way maybe right. that maybe I can do something there and, and have a booth or something. And I'll and I'll okay. talk about and I'll sponsor a booth or something. Okay, I'll call you and, and get an email from you and we'll send you some literature. On, on all of it. Mr. Mr. Muhammad, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, yes. do, do you all still do your monthly luncheon? It, it, we do. It's the third Thursday of each month. That's important to mention, too, because you always have great speakers. Yes, yes. We, we're having uh, State Representative Jarvis Johnson as our speaker this, come, this month, which will be, uh, I think it's June the 16th or something like that, whatever the third Thursday is. Yes, I've, I've attended many of those over the years. You always have a great turnout and great speakers. 
Yeah, well, come on back. We open. We know we were closed for almost two years. Right. That's why. That's why I had to ask if you were still doing them again. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 reinstituted the lunch. Well, Muhammad, thank you so much. Please call in. I look forward to talking to you next week. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Larry, I guess the last thing here, as now we're talking with Facebook and all the Spotify and everything else, is um, what do you hope your legacy will be on all this? This whole Houston 2036, all the mayors, all this knowledge you have and experience you have, you know, where where, where do you want to, where's that going to go in your mind? And what's your hope about Houston? I want to see meaningful change, Uh, meaningful change in the areas of education primarily uh, and healthcare. Let's just take an issue we've been working on for years that we can really still solve and resolve. Homeless in, in Houston. Uh, used to run search for the homeless. Um, the numbers at that time were 10,000 plus. We're down to probably about 3,000 something now. Uh, we can eradicate homelessness in Houston. We can do that. That number is small enough. Uh, we've done wraparound services. We've done greatly uh, on housing, preventive housing. We've done things with the uh, veterans. But that population is still there. We need to still work with them and figure that out. So we can eradicate homelessness in Houston. We can do the education gap. We can close the educational gap between those poor schools and the schools who have more. Nothing against the schools who have more or the parents who can raise extra funds for those schools. That's important and more power to them. Everyone's not able to do that. So the expectation that the community, the neighborhood, the parents are able to close that gap alone by themselves, it's not going to happen. That's not unrealistic. So the whole community has to step in. So what I think more than anything has to happen that I would love to see become the norm are basic questions. What is the fair, ethical, moral threshold that we want every human being in Houston to have? What is that threshold? What's that baseline? We are good at charity. We have gotten charity down pat in Houston, Texas. All right, we do downstream, we do reaction, we need to be proactive and go upstream. It's time to think about eradication, systemic change, and policy so we don't have to keep doing the same thing, raising the same money, getting the same results, serving the same people year after year after year. All right? We need to talk about justice. We need to put a word in front of justice, social justice, which then causes all kinds of angst among, among people. All social justice is is humanity. What is our common humanity? We use words like hope. Well, hope without action is, is useless. All right? And hope always meant for me helping others, helping other people execute. If you're not helping other people execute, having hope without action, nothing's going to happen. It's all about execution. The same thing we would say we have a heart. I have a deep heart. I have empathy now for these people. What does heart mean? Heart means helping each achieve, <laughs> helping each achieve real tomorrows. All right? We've gotten so complacent with doing good charity and nothing against charity. It's not a either or, it's a both and. You need charity until you do justice. You still probably need a little charity after you do justice, all right? But charity is not our goal. We're comfortable with charity because what happens in charity, we get so complacent that we're doing good by writing the check so somebody can go do good in my name. Mm-hmm. We need to figure out how to do the eradication of the issues. So the question becomes, in a, in a, in a standpoint to really understand the issues, what can I as the human being do? After, de- after deeper searching of the heart, I now rise to play a greater part. Let's search our hearts, decide what else can we do, how can I engage as a human being in service to other human beings, and get at it. It can be done. The resources, you know the resources are in this city. They're staggering. Any, anything we decide that we want to do and make happen in this city, we make happen. That's, That's the right. history of Houston, Texas. All right? So... <laughs> starting with building that ship channel that nobody said could be built mm-hmm. because we're too far inland. You name it, ever since then, we've been doing it. So let's do it. Amen. That's all we got to do. It's action. It's action. Larry, you are a Houston treasure as well. Our studio audience agrees. Again, 
I have now anointed him Mr. Houston. No, no. Because, no, no really, there are certain people that just um, the nexus of so many good things come to. What, so let me just say this. Well, hold, I want to give Larry the last word, but let me just say this to everyone out there again. You're with me, Gilbert, Mr. Larry Payne. Talk, inspiration, and prayer. A tip from Gilbert. We are here, of course, every Monday on KWWJ and KYOK. That's 1360 AM, 1140 AM. And, of course, you can call into the show, 832-570-8075. I know we had about five other callers that we didn't get to. I apologize, but we're going to get to them all next week. So before I give you my in line, let me just let Larry have a last word. Gilbert's been good at this all his life here in Houston. He has passion. He has compassion. He has the energy to do it. We have to get beyond helping people just to survive. We're now getting them to this issue of we're helping them to thrive. It's not about human survival or thriving. It's about human flourishing. Mm. Human beings were meant to flourish to the fullness of their God-given potential. We need to help and ensure that every human being has the opportunity to do that. I love that. Flourish. Not just survive, not just to thrive, but to flourish. Amen. Well, Houston, I thank you for being with us. And we'll see you next time. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me for my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 to 1145 a.m. on KWWJ, 1360 a.m., 96.9 FM, or KYOK, 1140 a.m. Call me, 832-570-8075. See you then.